Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we're certainly looking at the weather forecast. It looks like we're getting a little bit of a, a reprieve from that non-stop uh, rain. There will be some outbreaks of rain under drizzle uh, this morning, uh, this afternoon, but certainly uh, not the long periods of rain that we have had over the last, oh goodness, it seems to be going on for weeks at this stage. And it's going to remain uh, much the same for tonight and into tomorrow. And actually, it's interesting tomorrow that the temperatures are going up. They're describing tomorrow as a mild and a humid uh, day and certainly with everybody watching their home heating oil and their coal and their turf and whatever else you're burning and your or your gas or electricity to heat your home that will come as a little bit of light relief that hopefully we won't have to use as much heating as we normally would be using what are we uh, well into the first week of uh, November so we'll take whatever little bit of good news we can get certainly with an energy crisis going on at the moment uh, we, we will take whatever bit of good news we can get now Julie has been on to us uh, she's one of our Kerry listeners I don't know if she's in Killarney or not because this is a topic in Killarney the number of asylum seekers that are living in, in Killarney and it certainly is causing problems for uh, people in the tourist trade because they're worried that they're losing the number of beds that they have with hotels and guest houses uh, being taken over by the government in the various departments to house uh, refugees and in particular to house asylum seekers so there are people in the tourist sector and Kerry are worried about it but what is more worrying Julie is the amount of asylum seekers that are arriving it seems to be predominantly into Dublin airport and when they get to immigration they have absolutely no documentation with them Julie's worried about that because she said because of that we've no idea who these people are uh, we've no idea of their backgrounds and not when somebody comes in for asylum do we instantly start doing guards checks on them that doesn't happen at the moment but at least if we've got some documentation there I'm assuming can be some checks done as to exactly who 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 the people are that are arriving onto our shores and I actually I'm with Julie in that I was taken aback by the numbers of asylum seekers that are arriving without any kind of documentation at all and it is almost 4,000 and that was a number that was confirmed by the Justice Minister. Now it is it has it's been described as an unprecedented number 
uh, of immigrants who are, are we know that there's an increasing number of immigrants that are arriving. Obviously, we've got the Ukrainian uh, refugees that are fleeing war. Now, that's completely separate to what we're talking uh, about here. What we're talking about is an increase in the number of asylum seekers who are coming from other countries. And that certainly uh, is an unprecedented number. The Taoiseach indicated earlier this year that a more restrictive approach to immigration control in the UK he believes that that has now led Ireland to look like a more attractive place for people to come seeking asylum. Of course, once the UK announced that they were going to be sending all asylum seekers to Rwanda and then they would be processed in Rwanda. And if they were found to be genuine asylum seekers, then obviously they would allow them into the UK. Because of that, that made asylum seekers nervous. And rather than go to the UK, it is looking like more looking to the what's the country nearest to the UK. Let's go to Ireland uh, instead. Now, this figure that has come out and what's forced the Justice Minister to announce this uh, figure is a question that went in from Mark Shanahan. Now, Mark Shanahan is an an independent TD in County Waterford and he was asking about the numbers of people that are arriving in this country without the appropriate paperwork and without a passport. So, Helen McEntee stood up and said, yeah, I've checked the numbers. And in the first nine months of this year, 3,705 people arrived into Dublin Airport. Now, I don't know if there's figures for other airports and other ports. Predominantly asylum seekers, though, have a tendency to fly into Dublin Airport. Now, while the passengers should have had presented documents at their point of departure before they got onto the aeroplane. I mean, I don't know a country in the world that will allow somebody onto an aeroplane without a uh, passport. So they would have got on the plane with a passport, but then somewhere between flying into this country, getting off the plane and then walking into the immigration desks that we all do when we travel to any other country, somewhere between getting on the plane and getting to the immigration desk, their passport has suddenly disappeared. Now, if a person claims international protection on arrival, regardless of what documentation they have or haven't, they then enter the state and then they're entitled to make a claim to stay in Ireland. And that's then when they go into the asylum process. And that we've spoken about in the past is where the backlog seems to be and where the delays seem to be. Uh, A government source says that the loss of passport by those claiming asylum, they say it has been a problem for several years, but I don't think anything like the numbers we're seeing this year. It's not clear if people are being directed, if they're actually being told, get rid of your passports before you get to the immigration uh, desk. Now, John Lennon works with an organisation that protects the rights of immigrants in Ireland. And he says there were many, many reasons why people might, in inverted commas, lose their documentation before stepping foot on Irish soil. And he cites some of the examples. He said if people are fleeing from a regime that's persecuting and torturing and killing people in their family or in their community, uh, he said you'll take whatever means you have to get out and to reach uh, sanctuary. While there's no evidence that smugglers, and we do know that there are people who smuggle uh, asylum seekers into the country, there's no evidence as of yet to say that the smugglers are telling the immigrants use your passport to get on the plane but then lose that passport as quickly as you can. There is a suspicion though that this may be happening again in some of the cases and I saw in the paper the independent TD Matty McGrath in County Tipperary who we've spoken with before on the programme. He says that the figures confirmed that around 100 undocumented asylum seekers a week 
arrive at Dublin Airport and he said they don't have a shred of ID with them. And he says it's astonishing that some individuals can present ID documents before they get on to the plane or the ferry or wherever their point of departure is and then suddenly they are not in possession of those same documents when they arrive so he's kind of scratching his head about it as well but Julie's just worried because they arrive without documentation we've no way of doing any kind of background checks or no way of finding out uh, who these uh, people are and I'm assuming also on the asylum process it must make it a lot more difficult if somebody arrives and there's no documentation to prove who they are or who th- who they're not and then they go into a system where all the checks are done to see if they are genuine asylum seekers and whether they do uh, they, they do deserve to stay or not and I, and I don't know from an international law point of view is there something that the government can do I mean the only thing that I can think of if anybody watches that programme that looks at the border control in Australia who are got to be one of the most strictest countries anyone that's ever flown to Australia will know your heart's in your mouth going through immigration and going through customs to make sure that you haven't put anything into your bag that's not on the list and you know you've got to fill in a form on the plane before you land to make sure you're not bringing any food in I mean they do lots of things you know for biodiversity which I understand because they are whether they're a large island they are an island nation and they need to uh, protect themselves I mean I remember one time uh, arriving in Australia and there was an apple in my bag that we I we, when they were giving out fruit on the plane at the time I took an apple I didn't want it so I'll just leave that in my rucksack and I'll have it later forgot all about the apple got off the plane and the apple was taken out by a customs officer who absolutely et me for the, having the audacity to bring an apple into the country and I was disposed of and uh, Julie stood there and apologised said I'm really sorry got it on the plane forgot to take it out and off I went on my merry way but if you watch any of those TV programmes people that arrive they are assessed immediately as to whether they're allowed to stay in the country or not and in many cases the people coming into Australia illegally are trying to come in uh, they're economic migrants and they're trying to get into work and they'll let on that they're coming into the country on a holiday uh, visa and they'll have a holiday visa with them but then they're there and then at the actual airport the process is undertaken they're interviewed they're questioned phone calls are made and how many times have I watched that programme and it'll come up at the end that whatever the name of the person was he was the he or she was sent back home on the next available uh, plane now I, I don't know if from because we're part of the EU are we allowed to to have a system like that in place or not but I can never understand because certainly if 4,000 asylum seekers arrived I I imagine uh, off a plane into Australia without any documentation they would be on the next plane at home but anyway as I say Julie has concerns as to we we don't know who these uh, people are genuine asylum seekers you know of course should be assessed and if they're genuine they should be allowed to stay here but you would just be fearful that many of them are not genuine particularly the ones that seem to miraculously lose their passport from getting on the plane to getting off it Some of your comments coming in on the number of asylum seekers who are arriving into this country who have either lost or destroyed their passports before reaching immigration control Uh, John says Patricia our great government are saying everybody is welcome to go to old Ireland free food accommodation and free money uh, while 
our own are out on the streets, uh, says uh, John. We simply can't afford to have any more in this country. Passion for Moy says the 4,000 odd coming in through Dublin Airport without documents. If they don't have documents, they should be put back on the plane for the return journey back. They must have got on to the plane with documents. The airline will soon cop on if they're put straight back on a plane at the cost to the airline if they arrive with no documentation. Now, Michael and Skibrina can't understand why these people were allowed into this country with no paperwork. If any of us turned up at an airport without a passport, we know what would happen. We wouldn't get on the plane. We would. That's true. You can't get out of this country unless you have a passport with you for sure. But you see, that therein lies the problem. They, they, they have to have a passport because they wouldn't have got on the plane in the country that they've left, but they're somehow losing or destroying their passport from getting on the plane to getting off it. And the rules in this country are if you arrive in Ireland and you claim international protection, if you claim that you're here as an asylum uh, seeker, whether you've documentation or not, they are the rules that are in place. They You then enter the system and then you're entitled to make a claim to stay in Ireland. And then that's where the process is taking quite some time. And I imagine takes longer if a person doesn't have documentation. I don't know if that rule and that regulation can be changed. There's somebody arrives without documentation that they're not allowed to enter the asylum process. 0818103103. Christy Moore tickets. We have more Christy Moore tickets to give away on the programme today. He has, of course, uh, this week announced that he will play live at the Marquee on Saturday the 17th of June next year with the tickets officially going going on sale tomorrow morning at 9am and you can purchase tickets through ticketmaster.ie but we have the very first of the Christy Moore tickets hot off the press to give away on the programme a pair we're giving away every day this week we play a little clip of a Christy Moore song and you have to identify the name of the song I'll play it for you now just for you to work on it and it's later on on the programme we'll open the texts and the WhatsApp for your entries With the engine overheating from long haul and Judy Fury uh, That's another great song actually that's the song we played the Listoon Varna song yesterday and that this particular one With the engine overheating from long haul and Judy Fury That was the answer a couple of people put in yesterday so some people who had a wrong answer yesterday when you actually have the right answer today but you're going to have to text or WhatsApp us later but hold off on that for your chance uh, to win Christy Moore tickets live at the Marquee on Saturday June the 17th Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue said the state is making progress in recovering taxpayers funds used to rescue banks after it sold off a part of its stake in the AIB Bank. The finance minister said it sold part of its stake to institutional investors for just under €400 million. Independent West Cork Dáil Deputy Michael Collins has concerns for customers by the state losing more of its stakehold in the bank and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, what are your main worries about this move by what Pascal Donoghue has, has, has done? Concerns, to be honest, especially about you know in relation to how this is going to affect uh, users of well, in this case, it's AIB Bank uh, in, in in rural communities. And you know, I don't see any safeguards put in place or any that, that I know of, and I haven't had the chance to question 
decided to reverse that decision on the, the crazy decision of the cashless uh, banks uh, dur- during the summer. Do you know how much pressure came on them from the government and how much of that pressure made them reverse that decision? Well, in fairness, there was a pressure from the public. Uh, yeah, it was more people power, it. wasn't it? It was, it was, and they turned, people turned on their own local politicians. And the government realised they're not going to get away with this. No, Minister O'Donoghue who was claiming he he well, Minister McGrath said yesterday he'd done it. Minister O'Donoghue, Minister O'Donoghue says it was, I'd say, senior officials may not have, may have known it, but not him. And it's a special situation to think that a decision was made by EAB management which uh, senior department officials had looked and was uh, decided upon without the, uh, the, the Minister of the Dean knowing and, 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 and so many. We have a very similar situation to be honest with you, in school, even back in my own uh, parish, uh, in 2012, they closed, uh, they closed their branch there, which is a huge loss. And I, I often said it in your radio station, uh, within 12 months, there was a... Okay, I'm having I'm having huge problems with your phone line, uh, Michael. Sorry. If you can, if you just move move uh, slightly, okay. you're talking about the closure of the the, the branch in Skull. The, the branch in Skull, and and in the setup, and they promised the public that time that they uh, come so many days a week for the mobile bank. In the last twelve months, that mobile bank has been missing more often than it's been there. Um, and, and and you know, it's oh, we can't get a driver, we can't get staff. I mean, that's in this day and age, that's not an excuse. Uh, to, to basically leave people without a banking service. Yeah, but does, um, doesn't it look like regardless of what stake the government have in AIB, they'll do their own thing regardless? Well, yes, but that depends, on the, in my view, on the Minister of the Day and how powerful is the Minister of the Day to instil uh, some kind of discipline within the banks. And to me, they're running... They can do what they want, when they want and how they want. And if they allow, you know, if you continue to sell... Uh, the, the state sells off their, their shareholding in the bank. That means the bank have complete control to do whatever they want. Now we're losing two banks already, KBC and Ulster Bank, uh, from the country at the moment. So like, it's a very, very volatile time. And, you know, another issue uh, that affects rural communities, a lot of people are coming to me in various communities saying they're going to the local ATM machine and it doesn't have cash anymore. Mm-hmm. And they can't get money out of the ATM machine. So all these issues are there, unresolved. The government continues to note has a decision made to start sending off um, uh, part of their shareholding um, in the bank and without any cast iron guarantees that every community, regardless of being rural or urban, but in particular rural, where it's hard.
started going forward. Um, would you so, w- but would you welcome the fact that the Exchequer is at least recovering some of that money that was ploughed in, into the banks? There was a lot of criticism uh, by a lot of people, including yourself, about the amount of money that had to go into the banks that time. Absolutely, and I'd love if, if there was a, a test and safeguarding of the, of, of the way the banking, uh, the banks are going to carry out their business in future in rural communities or in, 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 in Ireland, essentially. We, 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 we have very little uh, feet in, in the way they're carrying it out to date, as, as, as I said earlier on with the, with the decision made on cash banks. That was a ruthless, a ruthless decision made that would have had a severe effect in, in, in my own constituency, Cox Always, but in, all throughout the country. And it, was, it, it led to an outcry from the general public, which was uh, the decision was reversed. But what I'm saying is, it looks for me as if the government are, are, are willing to let AIB or the of Ireland do whatever they want, the way they want to do it. And that's not the way it should be, because it is still the majority shareholder. In, in particular, in AIB, AIB, they're still the majority shareholder. Even if they do sell off the, or they have sold off the 8% shareholding, they're still the majority shareholder. But they seem to be a silent, uh, a silent shareholder, or else there's quite a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not being made aware of. It's one yeah. or the other. And just interesting, when you talk about the closure of uh, KBC and, and Ulster Bank, there's still a huge number of people who haven't closed their accounts yet. And I think it's Ulster Bank are freezing accounts from, I think it's this Friday. Uh, they're starting to freeze uh, accounts. Are the, are the pillar banks not making it easy enough for people to, to switch over, do you think? Well, uh, I was listening to the radio this morning from uh, Action Ireland. We're asking for uh, uh, more time uh, for people because I suppose the elderly don't have internet access or yeah. whatever, don't know how to use the computer. Transferring their accounts is, a, is an issue. Um, it's it's, a, it's going to be a big problem when I hear they're going to freeze people's accounts now. It, it mightn't be widespread initially, but I'd be very, very concerned that a lot of people might have to or urgently need to visit their bank um, out there that have a bank account. They're not, it's not going to be a situation where it's going to be left go as is and everything is normal. It's not. So I would plead for people to do that if they're able to do that. People might be in hospital. Some people may not be able to uh, access the, the, the services out there. And there is always a percentage of those people. And surely be to God if people, you know, put their trust and their faith in the bank, uh, you expect sometimes, in most cases, you know, people want to carry that through from the day they invest initially to the day they 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 die as such. Uh, and unfortunately, in the situation, we're losing two banks, and and you know, people would, would be, want to be very very careful that their accounts don't get frozen and yeah. they lose their money that they've their hard earned money inside, or but yeah, they might yeah. go off of their own because they might be unable to access the services or, you know, physically and mentally not able to do that and that's an issue that... Yeah, and there could be older people who are just not understanding what's going on and a lot of it's going over their heads but I am hearing problems that some people, certainly some of our listeners were having problems in trying to open up new accounts and all that goes with that and getting direct debits uh, sorted out. Uh, listen, Michael, thank you for that. And by the way, I appreciate it because I know you, 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 there's a mass going on. You, you, I, I was unaware of this. You do mass in the, in the, in the doll yes. twice a year. We do twice a year for uh, Ash Wings and and uh, for the souls in, in November for basically for uh, members of the the doll and their staff. Deceased members, yeah. Deceased members and and in fairness, uh, we were looking at, uh, this year. We asked Father John Joe Duffy, a good friend, John Joe, uh, in relation. He's a very strong advocate for the fishermen in Donegal and and and, and the community in Donegal, as we've seen in the last 
month and and uh, he's been very much involved in Free Slow, but he came down to have Mass here uh, this morning in the Dáil uh, with such a large, large gathering and, uh, you know... Um, he's been that... Uh, Father John Joe, what an incredible priest uh, he's been. I've seen him more times, been interviewed on, on TV. What a caring, caring man. And what he personally has been through with all the funerals that he had to conduct for his parishioners, it was just yes, dreadful. And I, uh, yeah, and I was talking to him this morning before the mass, you know, for some time, and I, I can see his heart and, you know, yeah. see his heart and because yeah, pass, it, it, pass it, it, on our best yeah. wishes. Pass on our best wishes uh, to him, Michael. Lovely man. Yeah. Lovely man. OK, listen, thank you for that. And uh, thanks thank for joining you. us this morning. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Doll Deputy uh, Michael Collins. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text some WhatsApps to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday came the great news with the announcement by the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Danny Collins, that the official opening of the McCroom Bypass section of the N22 will take place on the 9th of December. Local Fianna TD Andreas Moynihan has described it as Christmas coming early to the town. And I'm delighted to say Andreas joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. And can I firstly just pass on my deepest sympathies uh, to your mother and to all, and to you and Governor and all of your family. I was so sad to hear the passing of your wonderful dad, uh, Donald. May he rest in peace. What a great community man your dad was. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. We, um yeah, he he would have crammed in a lot, and you know, um, like he wouldn't have ever been somebody who would have been going after the the PR or the publicity. Yeah. Honestly, he would have gone away and done done the business quietly, and um, you'd often meet it when you're when you're out out and about that people would say, "Oh, yeah, he started this for us or that," and like. Um, yeah, very, very much uh, community and working yeah. on the ground, and great in in agriculture and farming as well. He he loved the he loved the the livestock and the the mart and the the lorry and everything and, and the cattle, you know. And this bypass is something he would be very excited about. <laughs> yes, for sure. Like he would have really put uh, put a lot of weight in behind it uh, over the years. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people did, and Dad was particularly pushing on it uh, over many years. Uh, Thankfully, he got to, to travel some of, like an awful lot of people, travel some of those roundabouts in, in Coolcower and in um, in uh, Carrigafuca as well, uh, but not on the main road itself. But, um, you know, like an awful lot of us, we've been getting a, a taste of the road. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm this glad that I got a chance to travel some little bit of it as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, well, so our, our deepest sympathies uh, to you all. Thank and you. This, this Andreas has got to be one of uh, the most long overdue bypasses I mean I, anywhere in the country it, yes it's it's really taken a, a long time for to, to get going over many years and as I was saying that would have put a shoulder to the wheel so many others uh, would have been raised at cabinet level by Minister Bat O'Keefe by local councillors town council it, there, there was a lot of pushing over many years in fact I was just looking at my own social media there last night and the thing flashed up where this week eight years ago we were taking I was leading a deputation to the to the then Minister for Transport as chairman of the, the first chairman of the municipal council so like there's a whole load of different stages through the years and every every group 
and in every public rep pushing for to bring it about. And you know, it's it's very satisfying for McCroom and for the wider region to see that that work has now started to yeah, because because you know the, over the years there was so much it was nearly there. Then there'd be disappointment because the scheme was shelved because of lack of funding, and mm. uh, and it was almost back to the drawing board again. But that's all behind us now. What is it going to mean to the town of McCroom? Oh, it's got a. It's going to mean a phenomenal difference for McCroom. Uh, there's the lifting of the traffic, the whole weight of it out of the town, giving people an opportunity to to go in and enjoy the town, um, do business locally. It it should bring in a kind of from the local hinterland. It should bring in a business opportunity there as well, a chance to to re, to build or to revitalise town centre as well but we won't limit our ambition to that uh, it's a chance way beyond in the outer regions as well for McCroom to, to reinvent itself put itself in front of so many other people and invite them in and show them what we've got you know the way uh, Kinsale will often be known as a, a foodie town um, and Gorey when they got a bypass built they went after weddings and brought people from from Dublin and widen far. Uh, McCroom now has that opportunity to reach out to a wider audience. We're near a big population centre in Cork and in Killarney, and close on a, an airport as well. So to identify our niche and to build on that and to invite people from a wider area for to, to see what McCroom has to offer. And, and it could be anything from tourism to And to it's, so in, it's interesting when you mention, you know, Kinsale known as, as the foodie uh, capital uh, almost of, of the south. I mean, I, I know we've done many, many programmes for the McCroom Food Festival over the years. I mean, it's an area that has such fantastic food producers. That's right. There's so much to offer, whether it's the the mozzarella, the buffalo by Johnny Lynch's Kool-Aid cheese, uh, the Glown dairies. There's there's such wonderful quality food there locally, and a, a great tourism product as well from uh, from Gugan Barra right down to the post glacial alluvial rainforest in the Guerra, uh, down the move on down the Lee to the zip lines, uh, the globally known. Um, Blarney Castle. So there's a, a real um, tourist opportunity there as well. Mm. Um, and it, but it now it really has to be seized. That's that's right. Yes, like you'll have that. You'd expect to have that natural flow in from the hinterland. But now the big big opportunity for McCroom is to reach out and to to go after that niche and to, to promote McCroom uh, in a much wider area and to seize that opportunity and to, to invite people along to the wonderful things that we have to we have in McCroom. Will some businesses, Andreas, lose out because of the fall in that passing traffic? Without doubt, there'll be there'll be a number of businesses that that would have been you know doing okay out of that um, passing trade, and yes, sure on the on the short term you could see that 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 pressure would be there, but an awful lot of traffic was also going through without stopping, yeah. and there's also the the wider benefit as well that people will also now be able to come in from local villages and do their shopping and do business there that might have otherwise been more reluctant yeah, to come in. Yeah, because people were avoiding the town, particularly when they knew that it was going to be peak times or over bank holiday weekends or if they knew it was going to be busy, that certainly people would just say, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. That's right, yeah. The, the traffic would have put people off and, you know, there's there's a real opportunity now where 
people will be able to access town, uh, whether it's to go for a coffee or to go for um, shopping or to do whatever business to catch up with, with friends or neighbours, that chance is there now for McCroom to, to, to reach that business and, you know, to, to, to offer that around to, to people locally. Um, like there's, there's so many possibilities for McCroom at this stage now and really excited on that in fairness. Are you particularly pleased to see the Taoiseach and indeed it'll be one of his last acts as a uh, Taoiseach uh, coming to, to town to do the official opening? Sure, it's, it's good that, that uh, look, it's a huge development in the area and it would it would be one of the scale and the that weight that would uh, you know that would merit a Taoiseach coming for to do it. But my real my real joy is for McCroom and for the, the South West uh, and the, the opportun the you know the people locally who have been under the weight of that traffic for so long and now uh, that that will be lifted and look you have to celebrate it for McCroom and for the the wider southwest region. Yeah, and as well. people have been really, really patient, particularly while the construction work has been ongoing. That's right. Yes, it's uh, it's ongoing. It's going to continue for another year as well as there's works on the going on in the west. And you know th- there is that certain amount of disruption of some traffic pressure at different points uh, throughout as as the work's progressing. Um, I think it's it's worth it for for the road that's there. If you imagine being able to travel now from Coolcower to Carrigafuca uh, in five minutes uh, without breaking any speed limit. Fantastic. Like that, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. You know? And then of course it. The scheme uh, was divided into three sections uh, for the construction phase and the the second two uh, continue. And I was reading um, Owen English's piece in the examiner yesterday. Uh, He says engineers are hopeful that the entire scheme will be completed by the middle of next year. That's good going. Yeah, the crews and fairness to John's and John Craddock, they've been really putting pulling out all the stops on it and they, they have a huge amount of work done uh, on the eastern side that we're keen to, to get open but also on the, the western side there's a massive amount of digging and bridges going on there the the big cutting on the western side um, like a lot of people would have seen pictures of the the big um, the big bridge at the Huckle Bridge but there's also the the big cut which is um, 100 feet deep the height of a nine storey building and it's going to run about a kilometre in length and that's cutting right through the mountain in, in by the county bounds so there's huge work being done there by the crews uh, and you know you have to, to credit and acknowledge the, the great work that have been done by, by John Craddock and by, by John's there yeah, because obviously they the whole COVID times and everything going on uh, in the middle of it. Uh, all right, so so a busy Christmas, you reckon, for traders in McCroom this year, Andreas? I think there's a, it'll be it'll be such a different Christmas. Um, it'll be for sure, yes, a chance for so many people to come in and to enjoy the town, okay. uh, and a new opportunity, new new chapter opening for. McCroom and the southwest okay. as that traffic is lifted and the road opened. Okay, well done and thank you for that, Andreas. Thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks. Good morning thank to you. you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Adult Deputy um, Andreas Moynihan on what is a terrific announcement the opening of the McCroom Bypass. Actually, just staying on McCroom, I just saw a text in from the McCroom Flower and Garden Club to say they're having a gala 
charity demonstration Quincententially Christmas with Alan Beatty. It's happening on tomorrow night, Thursday, 10th of November in Cool Car House at 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7. Admission 20 euro and the night will support the work of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and McCroom Senior Citizens. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, because I didn't want to ignore this text that came in from a listener when I was doing the weather in the first hour, I mentioned the fact how uh, there is mild weather for tonight for this time of year and there's a mild day tomorrow. And I was saying, take some comfort from those mild, the mild autumn and the mild, uh, what is starting out to be a mild winter in that with the energy crisis we're facing at the moment, people will be thankful for it. You wanted to put on your heating for quite so long. You might need to light a fire or put down a bigger fire as you normally would and will take some bit of comfort from that because obviously everybody's struggling with energy costs at the moment. Well, the listener's taking me to task on it and says, I love how you take away from the exceptionally mild autumn and potentially warm warmer than usual winter is that we'll save money on fuel and turf. I'd love you to say that to the 1,700 families who lost loved ones in the Pakistan floods and the $40 billion worth of damage that was done in Pakistan. And I would never take away from the poor people of uh, Pakistan or the people that are being affected by climate change. And it was one of the reasons, I don't know if you were uh, tuned in yesterday when there was some uh, criticism of Micheál Martin at COP27. He was committing 10 uh, million euro along with other countries were all committing uh, money in a special fund that was been uh, set up for the countries that are most affected by climate change countries like Pakistan and people and countries around the Horn of Africa that have you know the devastating uh, famines that are go- going on and droughts that are going on all down to climate change of course many of those countries absolutely nothing at all to do with climate change but they are the ones suffering the most uh, from it so I have utmost sympathy uh, for them but I also have huge huge sympathy for families in this country who are really, really struggling with the cost of living. And only this morning I had a text in from one of our regular listeners saying that they've, that she's, I can't find the text now, but to say that she's boarded up her, her, closed off her chimney, not going to be lighting the fires anymore because she simply can't afford the solid fuel and she's absolutely dreading frosty mornings or if we get a cold spell and there are many other families like that as well so this mild weather that we're having at uh, the moment and that's not taking from climate change or what's happening in other countries I'm just you know thinking of people who are really struggling at the moment and if they can save any little bit at all on fuel it means they might be able to put some food on the table and there are families who are desperately struggling at the moment but thank you uh, for your for your text and you're right to call me out and you're right for me to remember the poor people of Pakistan it was absolutely dead devastating what happened at, uh, in their country. Uh, 0818103103 and actually just staying on cost of living when it comes to energy costs because I did notice yesterday, I saw it went up on Twitter, I think it was on social media it was a small little supermarket and bakery in a place called Six Mile Bridge which is in County Clare and it's a little gala store and I saw a photograph of it online and it's your typical little gala store that you'd see in most villages dotted all over the country probably, and I'm open to correction but it's probably maybe it's the only shop in the village and the lady who owns it is a woman by the name of Flora Crow 
and she took to social media because she wanted to show her uh, was was saying to how's your day going was the caption she put on her Twitter and then she put up a copy of her electricity bill from August it's from the end of August through to the end of October so it's a two month electricity bill for this little business uh, this little supermarket and bakery in Six Mile Bridge and her electricity bill she's with Board Gosh her electricity bill was 20,803 euro and 41 cent so nearly 21,000 was her electricity bill and then on the tweet people were you know sympathizing with her and just saying you know what what would it normally be and uh, normally i think the bill for this time last year i think was six and a half thousand so it's gone from six and a half thousand to nearly twenty one thousand and they've done everything that they can like they installed new led lights and they put in a special low energy fridges towards the end of 2021 to try to bring down the energy bill as much as they can but it didn't it didn't help the energy costs are the energy costs that they have to pay but 21,000 and it just struck me when I was looking at it how can a little business like that keep going if the electricity bills every two months continue to come in that much over what they normally pay and if anything the possibility that they will get higher I mean even if she's to increase the cost of everything in her shop will the local people be able to afford the extra that she'll need to pay just about to break even. Now, I know before somebody says that she will get some help from the government, she will. She'll get the difference between what she would have paid last year and what she's paying this year. But she'll only get 40% of the difference. She's still going to have to come up with a huge chunk of that money. And in the meantime, that bill of 21,000 is going to have to be paid in order for her to keep the lights on, in order to keep the fridges going, uh, the, the electricity going in the fridges and everything else that goes with the running of a little shop like that. But it, it just it struck me that this is a small little village shop and will we lose many of these village shops if if the energy crisis if we don't get if we don't if there's is there any end in sight to the energy costs or will the government literally have to be giving more and more help to these small businesses because it will be such a loss to villages if we lose many of these small businesses because if they close they may never reopen again because a lot of them are family run businesses and families would have been for for decades would have passed the business on from father down to son or down to daughter and you know and they continue on with the business and they have a love of the community there were never businesses that made huge sums of money anyway and they, they, you know there's a social side to them as well so I'd, I'd hate to see a lot of those shops go but then Marie was on to us uh, by text to say morning Patricia I've seen it all now yesterday I was getting my hair done at my local hairdresser and I noticed that whilst usually they put a towel around your shoulders when you're having your hair washed yesterday there was no towel offered and no towel put around my shoulders and guess what I got soaked I looked at other customers and noticed that none of the other customers were being offered a towel either so it wasn't simply that the hairdresser forgot to give me one then I spotted a clothes error out in the middle of the floor with towels drying on it I know it's all down to the high cost of electricity bills at the moment and trying to keep costs down but it's not good enough says Armory. I didn't say anything about it getting all wet, but I'm so cross now I'm thinking that when I go back, I'm going to mention it to them. What do other people think are all hairdressers now doing the same thing, says uh, Marie. 
See, I'm really, listen, I feel sorry for you that you got your clothes wet and there's nothing more than sitting and the back of your neck and your jumper, your blouse or whatever you're wearing is all damp and wet and it's, and it's really uncomfortable. So I do have sympathy uh, with you for that. But I, again, have huge sympathy for the hairdresser who obviously they're trying to cut down on the amount of towels that have to be washed and tumble dried because I imagine that is a huge, huge expense for a hairdresser and obviously this is one of the ways that they're trying to keep the costs down because the other side of it is if they don't keep the costs down they're going to have to keep putting up how much they charge you for your wash cut and blow dry or when you go in to get your colour and then if they put up prices too much people aren't going to be able to afford to go in and the knock on effect is we'll lose a lot of our hairdressers and I know I was only talking to John Paul in the in the office because I had spotted a piece it was towards the end of September from the Hairdressing Council of Ireland, that group that represent a lot of hairdressers and they were talking about the soaring energy uh, costs and that salons are big energy users. You know, they constantly have to wash and dry the towels, for example, that Marie is talking about. But everything then, everything they use are plug-in devices, you know, like the hair dryers and the hair straighteners. So, you know, they, they use a lot of electricity anyway. And some hairdressers have already had to put up their prices. Others are trying to keep the prices as low as they possibly can. And obviously, if they're trying to keep the prices as low as they possibly can, but yet their electricity bills are still coming in and they're getting higher and higher rather than pass on the extra costs to the customers. They're obviously trying to come up with other ways of doing it. And obviously, Marie's hairdresser has come up with this cut down on the amount of towels they use by not using the one that goes around the shoulders and maybe just because you could end up I'm thinking like well, I was at my hairdressers lately and probably three towels were used there was one put around my shoulders and then there was one used to towel dry my hair and then there was a fresh towel when I went to sit down so that's three towels that would have to be washed so I suppose hairdressers are looking at well how can we save can we cut down on the amount of towels we use I would have no issue at all about a clothes horse being out in the salon and the towels draping over, drying it to save them using the tumble dryer. That to me is, I would would actually point that out to the owner of the hairdressing salon and say, well done, you're using your initiative and you're trying to get the towels dried uh, another way. So that certainly, Marie, I I wouldn't have an issue with that. But let's give it out there and let's see are other people noticing when they're going to the hairdressers? Are they cutting back on things like that, like not putting a towel around around their shoulder? What I would suggest, Marie, that you might like to do the next time you go to the hairdresser, you can go along and explain, look, my back got, my top got soaked when I was getting my hair washed. Bring along your own towel with you that you could just pop into your bag and, and bring home then and uh, pop it into the washer, pop it into the tumble dryer or if it's just used to drape around your shoulders you could just uh, dry it off and, it, and it'll be fine and you could uh, reuse it again. Anyway, we'll give it out and see what others have to say. Are you with Marie? Is it wrong that hairdressers are cutting back on the amount of towels that they are using and how widespread is that? Are people noticing it at their salon? 0818103103 I spoke about the town of uh, Killarney and other uh, tourist areas that are coming under pressure and are worried going forward if they are losing an amount of bed nights in local hotels because hotels and B&Bs, many of them have been taken over by the various government departments to house either Ukrainian uh, refugees fleeing the war or to house asylum seekers that are coming into this country seeking asylum uh, here. And we know, I think it's 25% of beds nationwide uh, in hotels are being used by the various government uh, departments. But it does look like some areas of the country have a higher proportion 
of hotels taken over for uh, refugees and certainly Killarney is one of the towns that has lost a lot of bed nights and people working in the tourism industry are worried because the knock-on effect is if you don't have tourists in the town then the products that you're offering aimed at tourists are obviously all going to suffer and the local restaurants etc are going to suffer and the knock-on is that the economy uh, will suffer because of that. Um, Eamon says Patricia perhaps this isn't a very popular opinion but towns like Killarney have reaped the benefits for decades from tourists visiting there. Maybe it's time for those people to give back as in allowing the refugees to take up their hotel rooms and that's in from Eugene who's not having a lot of sympathy for towns like Killarney who made a lot of money during the good times. 0818-103-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. An accounts administrator is wanted. This is for Avonmore Electrical. They're in Canturk. CVs, please, and a cover letter to breed at Avonmore slash electrical.com and they must be in by Friday the 25th of November the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow have openings for full and part-time bar staff CVs please to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com construction workers are needed in Bantry safe pass and manual handling essential and it will or you'll also need a good grasp of staying ahead of plasterers CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and full-time electrical service engineer is wanted to work in the Mallow area. CVs, please, to dennis at walshengineering.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Calls coming in on the cost of uh, going to the hairdresser. And this is, well, the cost of going to the hairdresser. This is to do with Marie. She went to the hairdresser and uh, she got soaked because there was no towel put around her shoulders. She didn't say anything, but she noticed that other customers didn't have towels around their shoulders either. And uh, she was saying it's a cost cutting measure measure to cut back on electricity but she wasn't happy about it somebody says I got my hair done in Turkey wash cut and blow dry for 30 euro if I was to get it done here it would cost me 85 euro plus but you see the problem is the cost of doing business in Turkey is very different to the cost of doing business here in Ireland Martin in from Roy. no sympathy for Marie says tell Marie bring her own towel for God's sake there are other people who can't even afford to get their hair done or even afford a towel people need to cop on says our Martin in Formoy and Kitty says yes you can tell Marie the very same thing happened to me at my local hairdresser I did ask and the hairdresser explained that the towels that they had for that day had run out they only use the washer and dryer once a day now and the reason for that is is due to the high energy costs Kitty says the owner said she fears her own the owner of the salon fears next February as is at that stage that the winter bills which are traditionally the very high bills for the hairdresser are going to start to come in and uh, her hairdresser worries about it Philomena is in Mitchellstown good morning to you Philomena good morning Patricia now, how are you I'm very well thank you is it the same at your hairdressing salon my hairdressing salon is excellent because she came to an agreement with her customers that she wouldn't rise the price if we brought her own towels. So I can't see why the, that lady couldn't bring a towel. 
she'd be washing anyway when she go home. Or, you know. Yeah, and and your hairdresser did did you offer to bring your own towel, or did she say could you bring your own towel? No, when we went back after the COVID, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we brought our towels that time then. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, all that was over then. Yeah. She asked us, what would we like? Yeah. Would we like to bring our own towels? And she wouldn't rise the price. Of course, don't you know? We agreed that we'd bring our own towels. Yeah. When she wasn't going to up the cost. So you can understand where she's coming from in her her electricity bill would be huge. Massive. I can't, you know, I can't see the logic in in people giving out about the hairdressers. Like I said, they'll be doing their own washing anyway. Yeah, and then um, Marie also took issue with the fact that um, her little hairdresser had a clothes horse in the salon with towels drying on it. Would you would you be offended by that? Indeed, I wouldn't. Would I not? have my own money often myself. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd have no issue with it as well. And listen, if it's if anything that the hairdresser can do to cut down on the costs, I'd be saying yeah. well, well done to the woman. My God, that bill that you were talking about there earlier on. Yeah. For that little shop, just crazy. Six and a half thousand to twenty thousand. Crazy. Yeah, and and right. and the uh, fear is we'll lose those shops or we'll lose some of the smaller hairdressers, and then we'll all be. M- well, I'd be lost if my record because I don't go to anybody else. Do you not? Do you know what? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Well done. Well done. Okay, okay. Listen. Thank you for that, Philomena. Thank you. Too, and thanks, thanks uh, for contacting uh, us. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Our our lines uh, remain open. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp now and I will come back to this issue but I want to move on because according to media reports revenue is rising to 250,000 PAYE workers or urging them to file tax returns for the last three years in a bid to collect tax which was owed on COVID wage supports to offer advice. I'm joined from Goline by Mairead O'Driscoll who of course is known to us as the tax nerd and she's a professional tax advisor. Uh, good morning to you Mairead. Good morning Patricia. And uh, You're very welcome to the programme. Now can you just start by explaining why people, why these PAYE workers or why some PAYE workers now owe this money to the tax ban? Yes. Um, so now the majority of cases is um, it's due to receiving the COVID payments back in 2020 and 2021. So I know it's nearly a distant memory now at this stage, but there was two payments people got off the government. There is the PUP payment, the pandemic payments that people got every week where they were they couldn't work because of the restrictions. And then there was also the TWSS. So that one you mightn't have even realized you were getting, but that's where the government was giving your employer money to keep paying you and give you your wages. But essentially, both of them were subject to tax, are subject to tax and have to be taxed. Now, they did try to make people aware of this, but I think a lot of people just didn't realise that it was subject to tax. So that's essentially what these letters are about now. They're saying that you owe, they're sending out the letters, they're saying how much tax you owe, and they're encouraging you to file your tax return for the last three years. Now, there, I just want to say there is no need to panic because I think people are seeing an amount of like a thousand euro in the letter maybe or maybe more and they're like oh my gosh do I need to pay that over to revenue now no you don't Um, you can choose to pay it if you want or you can have it spread over the next four years so if you don't pay it revenue will automatically 
reduce your tax credits by the amount you owe over four years, which is a lot more doable. Um, so you won't really notice it as much because it'll be money you wouldn't have had in the first place. It'll come off your wages before you even get it. Um, but what revenue are doing, they're encouraging you to file your tax return for the last three years if you haven't done so before, because it will it kind of, when you file a tax return on Roz, it kind of does a balancing statement. So the number they've given you in the letter is just their estimates. If you go in and do the tax return yourself, you could actually owe less than they have put in, and you have the opportunity to reduce the amount you owe by adding in additional claims, such as you know health expenses, flat rate expenses if you've never claimed before. So I would encourage you if you have that letter to go into your My Account on Roz, complete a tax return for the last four years, include any um, additional claims to try bring it down, and then you'll see what number you have. Whatever is there, you can opt to pay it there and then, or you can leave it be and revenue reduce your tax credits over the next and in, four years. Would I be right in, in saying that a lot of PAYE workers have never filed a tax return? Oh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. And the letter is a bit, I've only seen one or two, but the letter is a, a bit alarming. Um, you know, as in you, you're like, oh my God, should I have been doing this all the time? Am I meant to? As PAYE workers, we are not... Um, obligated to file tax returns, even though it's in everyone's best interest to do it, and we should all be doing it. Number one, to claim any tax back, as I've said before, um, you know, on medical expenses and things like that. Um, but number two, just to make sure that it's correct. So over the last four years, if there was a period that you didn't work for a part of the year or you were emergency tax, you'd be surprised you could be due a lot of tax back. I was actually talking to someone yesterday who had never filed a tax return she did it for the last four years and she got a refund of over a thousand euro so you'd be surprised so i think it's important that everyone does do it because so many people don't and for the people who worked throughout the pandemic but as you say their employer got money from the government in order to uh, keep their yeah. wages going the, the tWss did employers explain yeah. the tax implications to workers when that wage support was in place uh uh, from my experience, and um, in a lot of cases, they didn't. Um, it was meant to be split out on your payslip. So if you got your monthly payslip from your employer, it would say, I don't know, 1,000 euro um, from the TWSS. It was meant to be split out on your payslip. Um, now, a lot of people didn't maybe notice it. To be fair, a lot of people don't look at their payslips. They just saw the same amount going into their bank account and didn't realise, and it wasn't communicated to them. So that was a big shock for people who were on the TWSS because, like, you know, a lot of them didn't even know that. So, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't explained in a lot of cases. And unfortunately, it's still on the taxpayer. It's still your responsibility, even if you didn't know anything about it, which seems unfair. It, you, like, you are, like, as taxpayers, we are... Um, responsible for our own taxes and we should be paying attention mm. to our payslips and yeah it is on us yeah. at the end of the day and I, and I can see a couple of people are saying that they you know their business wherever they worked closed down and they were on the pop uh, payment who, who were really surprised yeah. that they now have to pay tax because they felt they were unemployed at that time yeah yeah no totally and and any any payment you receive off the Department of Social Welfare is taxable. So whether it's illness benefit, maternity pay, that is all taxable. And I think a lot of people... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. They're surprised by that. You nearly think... Would they not just take the tax amount off it before they give it to us? You know, um, <laughs> it just would reduce the complication. But yeah, a lot of people were surprised. But I think at the end of 2020, Revenue did start issuing letters to the pe- people on PUP saying how much they owed, or sorry, they did the balancing statement on people's My Account. But some people are so far removed from that, and, and understandably, they never log on. It's not in their realm to have to do it. So I think that's why Revenue are sending the letters. It's in the hope to get people to actually just go and file the tax returns because they are owed a lot of tax on it. And it's not that they want it all to be paid right now. It's that they want people to kind of engage, complete a tax return. If they do um, have tax claims, they can reduce the amount they owe. Or as I said, it will opt to be reduced over the next four years. So I don't think it's it's anything um, you know to be alarmed about. But yeah, it, it is a surprise for people for sure. Yeah, Maura in Mallow says, uh, Patricia, I got one of those letters. Uh, however, I worked for the HSC. I'm also on a widow's pension. There was no change to my payments because of COVID. And now revenue are telling me that I owe them 200 euro. So that's probably on, from the social welfare payment she received. On the widow's pension. Exactly, on the widow's pension. So that's taxable. Okay. All right. And you just, just yeah. file. I think it just frightens people. And, and I can see the, a lot of people saying, it does. file it a does. tax return. How complicated is that? Somebody says. <laughs> yes. So so it, it actually is very straightforward for your PAYE income tax return. It's called the Form 12. You log on to your My Account on ROS, um, which is very user-friendly right now. You click on Review My Tax from 2018 to 2021. You do each year individually and you literally just click through. There's like four sections. You click next, next, next. If you want to add in some medical costs, put in the amount um, and click submit. And that's it. Yeah. Now, and let's try and, let, let, OK, so let's try and save people some money. You can claim back when you say medical. Yes. That's what if you went to the doctor or the dentist, you were, God forbid, you were in hospital. Yes, it covers so much. I'm The amount of people that I'm like, oh, have you claimed any medical costs? And they're like, oh, sure, I wouldn't have anything. I'm like, are you sure? Once you actually look into it, there is something over the last four years. So it covers any doctor visits, any hospital visits, any consultations, 
any anything by a registered practitioner it's physiotherapists um it's dietitians um anything kind of medical but it's also prescriptions so if you have a monthly prescription that you're going to the chemist for every month and you pay for you can get 20% back on that it's um non uh, routine dental so if you had braces or invisalign or you had to get a root canal you know out of the ordinary things that are expensive you get 20% back on um it's if you had to go get a blood test if you had to go um if if for example you are diabetic or celiac and you have to pay for um, gluten-free foods specialty foods you get 20% back on that so I would recommend going just having a look at the list on the revenue website. So lot, there's a lot of things there. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And, and a lot of people during COVID and continue to work from home. Now, I know it's not a huge amount, but you, could, you, yeah. can, you can claim something back there as well. Oh, you can. Absolutely. And, and it's all in the same section of the tax return. So as you're at it, it's very easy to just pop it in. So work, there's working from home relief that you may be entitled to. So if you didn't receive any expenses towards that from your employer, then you're entitled to claim this relief. So what it is for 2022, you get 30% of the cost of the broadband and 30% of light and heat back. Um, but sorry, that's subject to the number of days you worked from home. And then it's 20% of that. So that sounds complicated, but all you need to do is put in the total cost of your broadband for the year, put in the total cost of your light and, here, light and heat for the year, put in the number of days you worked from home and then revenue will calculate how much you're owed. So whatever it is, it's worth putting in, um, worth being in your pocket then, then in revenues. And, and another one is uh, flat rate expenses, which covers a magnitude of professions. It's over 200 professions that you're entitled to. Um, you don't need a receipt. You don't need anything. There's just a set amount that revenue sets depending on your profession that you can claim. And that's literally just ticking a box again, all in the same section. And if you've never claimed it, you can claim it for the last four years. And that covers um, anything from teachers, mechanics, construction workers, nurses, doctors, um, OTs, shop assistants, bar workers, hotel workers, wow. um, healthcare assistants. And if you don't tell revenue, revenue don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't get it. So claim, claim, worth. claim. Michael has been on. Yeah. Uh, his, <laughs> the, his wife had recently purchased hearing aids from a private company and they do not come cheap. Now, his wife doesn't work, but Michael is wondering, can he claim the tax back on his tax returns for his wife's hearing aids because she's not working so yes whoever pays for it you can, you're entitled to claim now i must double check hearing aids but whoever makes the payment is entitled to claim it doesn't matter if it's for you or not so if you make the payment on behalf of your children or on behalf of a spouse if you pay it you can claim it in your tax return um I would just double check hearing aids if they qualify. I, th I think they do. They do. Mm. They do. Yeah. Oh, they're expensive. Absolutely. So I imagine yeah. they do. And then a couple yeah. of people, including yeah. Tommy, says on the letters that have arrived from revenue. What if you just ignore the letter and do nothing at all and continue working? What happens? Uh, nothing, with ha nothing will happen. What revenue will do is they'll, the, the figure that they've given you on your letter, they'll use that figure. and They'll start reducing your tax credits over four years automatically anyway. Okay. It just gives you the chance to reduce it, really, if you go in and file yeah, your tax. You're better off. Don't be afraid of it. That's what we're, that's the message we're exactly. trying to get across to people. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you're, you're always a mine of information, and people can follow you on social media as the tax uh, nerd. You do. You've fantastic videos uh, up online. Uh, Maraid, always a pleasure. Thank you for that.
And uh, thanks for no joining problem. us. Uh, thanks so good much. morning to you. That is uh, Mairead O'Driscoll, who is a professional tax advisor known as the Tax Nerd. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on scene 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, new research into housing on the seven inhabited islands off West Cork show that these communities are facing their own housing crisis. To discuss the findings of the research, I'm joined by one of the co authors of the report, and that is uh, Dr. Elaine uh, Desmond. Good morning to you, Elaine, and uh, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, is is lack of affordable houses, is that one of the main problems facing the uh, islanders off West Cork? Yeah, uh, the report's focus was on housing. So it was the affordability, availability and quality of housing on the islands. Um, However, it also recognises that housing doesn't exist in a vacuum either, that, um, you know, there are other issues on the islands such as employment, access to services, access to schools, broadband um, and ferry service as well. But housing was identified by the island residents themselves as central to getting more full-time residents on the islands. And is Um, is that what the island residents want? They they want more people? That's it. They see it very much as if they get more people, they will get access to more services. So, you know, you can't have a school without certain numbers. Without you children, yeah. You can't have a ferry service without certain numbers. So everything on the islands depends upon population. And obviously you can't get people to live on the islands if there's nowhere for them to live. So housing was very much seen as central to um, keeping full-time long-term residents on the islands. And for the people that live there, are they predominantly, they, they live in the houses they own or are there people who rent living on the islands as well? There are people who rent on the islands. Um, it's predominantly owned houses, but um, the rental sector is there as well. And we found in the report that there's a, an awful lot of precarity for renters on the islands. Mm. Um, they have the additional thing that it's particularly year-round rental accommodation. So what tends to happen is that um, a lot of the rental accommodation will be given up to Airbnb rentals during the summer for tourists because of the um, additional prices that can be charged during that time. So uh, renters don't have much security of tenure. Uh, There's also the issue with the quality of rental accommodation um, and the availability as well. You know, so that really hinders what um, can be done in terms of younger people with younger families moving onto the islands who may not have uh, money for uh, deposits. To buy and to buy a property. Uh, And it's interesting when you mentioned broadband, because I I take it there would be people who would like the idea of moving and living on an island and working remotely. And there's, you know, huge push for more and more people to work remotely. What did you find out on, on broadband? So we found that there's been some improvement, but, um, you know, it's recognised that today broadband is as crucial as electricity used to be for the island. So it's become of that degree of importance. Um, And broadband is really important because it would support, obviously, like you said, the remote working aspect. And there are people who would like to live on islands, but obviously the employment aspect is is has traditionally been a hindrance. But what, was, what we found um, in islands, particularly the Scottish islands, for instance, was during COVID, 
um, you know, people actually flocked to the islands as safe havens, yeah. if you like, yeah. in terms of health. Um, and the ability to be able to work remotely really supported that trend. There was what was called in the report a counter-urbanisation trend of people trying to leave the cities and get to the islands. But the West Cork Islands, unfortunately, um, were hindered in terms of, you know, reaping the benefits of that trend because of the lack of, of housing. Of housing. Yeah. Um, so it was a real... And, and the houses that are on the island, I imagine the majority of them are older houses. That's it. Yeah. Is there an issue then with maintenance? I mean, I'm just thinking it could be hard enough in the in in an urban town to get a plumber or electrician to call. But if you're out in an island, exactly, and you need a tradesman, exactly. There's the problem uh, that came up in the research of actually finding people tradespeople willing to make the trip out to the islands, particularly, for instance, with Ilan Clara. Um, Cape Clear, which is the furthest Boy from the mainland, one, yeah. um, you know, that they would have to really set a day aside. And then if they forget a piece of, of equipment that they yeah, need or something, apart. You know, it's yeah. exactly, it's a boat trip back to the mainland again. So um, there was the availability of tradespeople, real issue. Um, and also, the, you know, the costs of, of maintenance. Uh, you know, in 2005, a European Small Islands Network report found that it was 40% higher, um, any kind of building work or renovation work on the island was 40% higher than on the mainland. That was in 2005. So what it is today. Much, much higher now. Um, so, and we found that the quality of housing is a real issue. Um, there's much older housing stock on the islands. Um, and, you know, in the focus groups, there was stories of people with water running down their walls from damp and the wind whistling through windows that needed replacing, things like this. Um, so, you know, it really uh, needs a lot of attention. People staying in one part of their house only because to heat the whole house was just far too expensive. Um, so the quality of housing existing housing stock is also a major issue yeah and if we lose these communities elaine we lose part of our heritage absolutely and and the government has committed time and time again to um supporting full-time residents on the irish islands um and you know speaking as someone whose own mother came from tory island um you know they're, they're so important in terms of cultural capital for us they're th the Ireland is not just the mainland. Ireland is comprised of all of these islands. It's part of, like you say, what we're about. We're the mainland is an island community, mm. but these it's just a larger one. Exactly, yeah. these smaller islands, and that's shown by the numbers of tourists who go there to to experience that aspect. And it's like Ireland in a microcosm, really. You know, it's just it's they're beautiful, and that came through in the research as well. That people who live on them really love them. And they want to stay um, and, and they, they want, want to be supported. Th yeah, they want they want to stay and they want a future. They want th the islands to stay after they're dead and gone. Of course, yeah. you know, nobody wants to live in a community where they're surrounded by derelict houses and by people visiting who express an interest in wanting to come and spend longer. But who can't because there's nowhere for them to live or to rent to try out. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of we're actually hindering ourselves in many ways by not supporting this this island life because as one of the research respondents said it's such a valuable part of um, Ireland living 
um, that to to allow it to go to rack and ruin like this is is uh, it's catastrophic. Yeah, future really. generations will look back and say what what you know what were they thinking? And they they are such a resilient bunch of people, aren't they? People who live on islands. They really are. I mean, it's it's all very well, as people say, living on an island or visiting an island during the summer. But in the winter, uh, you know, it's quite often a different story. The climate is harsh. Um, and, you know, as we've seen, housing, <laughs> the quality of housing is quite often, um, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. And, you know, um, whatever identity differences and things might, might exist people really pull together they're tight-knit communities um, and you kind of have to uh, to survive really mm. in that context um, so it's a way of life as well as you know just uh, you know it's a particular way of life well, you have yeah. to have a passion for it uh, and, and a love for it you, you really yeah. do it's, it's a brilliant study what happens to the study now Elaine where, where, where does it go? Well, there's a few different avenues, really. We're very keen. Th there's recommendations that um, we've we've pulled out in our study, as well as, uh, you know, new recommendations. But um, quite a few of the recommendations have been around for a couple of decades. Um, and, you know, they really need to be acted upon now urgently. Uh, so we're meeting, um, th there's actually a new islands policy being developed. Um, so we're meeting um, with the Department of Rural and Community Development on Friday. And we'll also be engaging with government, um, you know, over the next few months as well, trying to really um, work out ways of getting these recommendations implemented and put into action. It's really a call to action, this report. Mm. It's uh, taken so much time and effort from the islanders themselves, island residents. Um, you know, they've been involved in designing the survey that formed part of the research. You know, uh, more than, uh, oh, sorry, almost half of island residents over the age of 18 completed the survey. Um, the island residents took part in an advisory group. Um, in focus groups so they've really put they a see lot the of importance time of and energy into well, this well listen we wish you luck uh, with it and uh, please God we'll, we'll talk again but in the meantime uh, I really enjoyed our chat thank you for that uh, Elaine thanks and so thanks uh, for joining us Elaine Desmond Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Your chance to win Christy Moore a ticket. So we have another pair of Christy Moore tickets to give away now because, of course, Christy Moore has announced he's once again coming back to us here in Cork. He'll be live at the Marquee on Saturday, the 17th of June, 2023, with tickets officially going on sale tomorrow morning at 9am. And people can purchase uh, tickets for Live at the Mar Marquee through Ticketmaster.ie and normally Christy Moore sells out really really quickly so the very first of the tickets we've been giving away right across this week and we continue to do it today and again Thursday and Friday we have a Christy Moore song we need the name of this song please With the engine overheating from long haul and Judy Fury Okay, if you know the name of that song, you need to text or WhatsApp now, please, to 0862 103 103. I just need the name of the song, but I also need your name and address, please. With the engine overheating from Long Hall and Judy Fury. 
and we will leave it open for about 10 minutes and John Paul then will randomly select our winner for today who will win a pair of tickets to Christy Moore Live in the Marquee on Saturday June 17th get texting or whatsapping please on that 086 so hold off if you've got a gardening question because I don't want your gardening question to get lost in the middle of all of the entries that came in because we were having a huge response, absolutely huge response to this competition every day this week. So I imagine today is going to be the same, but get your entry in, identify the song to be or in order to be on the chance of winning those tickets. Now, while we're waiting on our winner, let me take a look at some of your texts and calls uh, coming into the uh, programme. Now, before I get to the hairdressing ones, people are coming in about the hairdressing and how the cost for hairdressers, how how their businesses are suffering at the moment and the, and the lengths they're going to to try to keep prices as low as they can. In the middle of all of that, a Mitchestown listener says, Patricia, I'm wondering, could you find out something for me, please? About a month ago, a fella, a fella, a man, called around and he was doing surveys from the Central Statistics uh, Office. And I'm wondering now, was this some kind of a scam? He was supposed to come back to collect to collect receipts from groceries And he said he'd be back after a couple of weeks. It was about a month ago when he called and he hasn't called back since. And I'm wondering, is is it a scam? Now, that sounds to me like it's the Central Statistics Office and their household, their household budget survey, I think they call they call it and it comes out probably every every four months. It comes out quarterly, I'm sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to get onto the Central Statistics Office just to find out were they calling around in the Cork area? I mean, they literally, they do those surveys all over the country. I'm thinking it's not a scam, but I'm, I'm just wondering, <coughs> excuse me, um, I'm just wondering what is the delay with the man calling back? We are hearing this morning that there was a co- some cost of living campaigners in Cork went into board gauche offices at the Cork Airport Business Park and they staged a sit-in protest this morning. Martina uh, Stafford was one of the protesters and Martina joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Martina. Hi, how are you doing? OK, I mean, I'm assuming you just wanted to highlight the energy price hikes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we occupied the office uh, in uh, the board gosh office in Airport Business Park in Cork, uh, basically uh, highlighting the massive price hikes uh, five times board gosh have risen their prices since 2021. And then at the same time, you know, in the first six months of 2022, uh, board gosh profits rose by 74% to 40 million almost. Yeah, I think that's the part, Martina, that is most galling for people. It's the fact that these energy companies are making such huge profits. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just for gosh, but we, we're just uh, highlighting it as an example of, in general, the profiteering that's going on uh, by these energy companies, you know. And the furthest the government went was bringing this 200 euro energy credit, but that's just going straight into the pockets of these energy companies, you know. And it's not actually going to stop further price hikes. And, and we know there's absolutely no guarantee that the high prices we're paying at the moment, that it ends there. I mean, the yeah. energy companies are, are saying that. And actually, it's, it's interesting that it was Board Gosh because I only mentioned Board Gosh this morning when I was talking about that little supermarket in County Clare. It's a tiny little supermarket in, in Six Mile Bridge and their electricity with Board Gosh had gone from €6,500 to €21,000. I mean, it's just, we can't keep paying 
these types of energy bills? Yeah, I mean, that's the point of uh, the protest, you know, um, is essentially just highlighting that you can't have this side by side, you know, where people are actually not able to put food on the table, not able to heat their homes, not uh, considering will they get, do they have to get rid of their car because they can't afford to drive to work, uh, on top of childcare costs, you know, rent. It's just not possible for people to, to actually provide the basics that they need, you know, and then you see the massive wealth of these companies and it's just it doesn't have to be this way you know because essentially the government can bring in price controls but that does mean that these companies have to take a hit to their profits so i mean the government aren't willing to do that so you stay how many people were involved in the sit-in this morning and did you get any response from board gosh uh there was Seven of us there from the Cork Cost of Living campaign. Um, we were just told that we can't be there and that we have to leave. Um, we said that, you know, we're just there to, to make a point and when we're finished, uh, you know, doing what we came to do, that we'd leave. Did anyone come out and try to explain to you why they're charging so much? No, there, no, there is no uh, explanation. I mean, I think it's clear to see, though, that costs are going up, you know, energy, you know, um, for these these companies. But in order for them to maintain their profits, they're bringing up prices, you know, um, so they aren't the ones taking hit. But it's not just that profits are actually increasing, you know. It's not just that they're maintaining their profits; they're actually increasing their profits at this in this crisis. Yeah, it's, it's it just it seems immoral. It just there at times when I think about it, it just seems absolutely immoral. Uh, people struggling to pay their electricity bill, and you can have a company that they're paying their electricity bill to making these super super profits. There is you're part of the campaign that's having a demonstration. Is it is it next Saturday, Martina, as well? Yeah, there's a protest called for Saturday, two p.m. on Grand Parade. Um, we're interested in encouraging people to to make their way to that, you know, and just demand serious action, like I was talking about price controls, but we also need to raise public ownership. You know, these companies are being run for profit, and it's a basic need that we we all need every day for survival. So, um, you know, it should be in public ownership, run for public needs, not for the greed of the small group of, you know, rich yeah, we we can't survive, unfortunately, without electricity. OK, uh, and where is the protest on uh, Saturday, Martina? Uh, it's on Grand Parade. Grand Parade. Yeah, and, and meeting there at 2pm. 2pm, OK. All right, listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us th- uh, today. Great, thanks. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Martina Stafford there from the co- one of the Cost of Living campaigners. Uh, who had staged a sit-in at Board Gosh 0818-103-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can uh, WhatsApp. And my apologies when my voice went when I was reading out the comment from the Mitchestown uh, listener. Uh, somebody called Central Statistics Office, asked her to collect receipts, but nobody has called back since. So as I say, we'll get on to citizens' information. But in the meantime, has anybody, has anybody else been asked to take part in a similar service? survey somebody calling from the central statistics office and whenever they call from the CSO they'll have lanyards they'll you know you'll be you'll you know for sure that the person is a genuine worker with the CSO uh, office uh, so if anybody else has been asked to take part in 
collecting receipts for groceries. So I'm, I'm thinking it's their household survey that this Mitchistown listener was asked to take part in. How soon after the original call asking you to do the survey did the person call back to collect the receipts? If you can let us know. 0818 103 103. And then we had a big reaction to Marie who had contacted us who was a bit upset about going to her hairdressers yesterday. They didn't put a towel around her shoulders. Back of her neck got absolutely uh, soaked. And uh, she noticed it was, wasn't just her. Other customers were the same. And she reckons it was cost of living uh, for the hairdresser trying to cut down on costs and cut down electricity bills, not having to wash and dry the towels. She felt it wasn't good enough. And she wondered, what were other hairdressers doing the same? Now, we had a number of people say, yes, their hairdressers are doing something similar. But we had a huge number of people saying, bring your own towel with a number of people, including Fidelma, joined us online to say that's what she's been doing since COVID time, brings her own towel the whole time. Well, Marie got back on to say about the hairdresser and the absence of the towels. Just to clear something up, Marie says, I didn't have an issue with the towels out on an error in the middle of the floor. Uh, they have already, by the way, at this hairdressing salon, put up the prices. Isn't it brilliant how everyone contacting you now has the bright idea to bring their own towels? Well, there's a lot of people say that they've been doing it for quite some time. Somebody else says, hi, Patricia, while I have sympathy for Marie, I follow your own suggestion and I do bring my own towel to the hairdresser in order not to use the plastic slash non-environmental covering which is used in the salon that I go to. And thank you, Patricia, for looking at the uh, bigger picture. And Tim says on hairdressers, are you having a laugh defending this issue? I paid for my partner's hair recently as an early Christmas present and the cost was over €150. If you can't afford to supply towels to customers charging those kind of prices, then it's time to get out of the business. Customers are entitled to have a dry towel placed around them when they're paying for a service, says uh, Tim. Yeah, but the point, Tim, is if the electricity prices keep going up to the hairdressing salon, uh, and I don't know what what hair hair procedure your partner's having done for 150 euro uh, and of course some hairdressing salons cost a lot charge a lot more than others do but if they have to cover the cost of the higher electricity costs that 150 euro will go up and the next time your partner is getting her hair done it could even go to 200 euro to me the hairdressers that are trying to reduce on the washing and drying of the hair hair salons that are trying to keep their prices as low as uh, possible. 0818 103 103. But lots of people are saying that, yes, they do bring their towels to their hairdressing salon. Okay, you can stop calling us or texting us now, please, on our competition for... Christy Moore. Where's the song? With the engine overheating from Long Hall and Judy Fury. And the name of the song is, of course, called Jockster. Now, John Paul has selected our winner. And if I go back here, I can find the name of the winner. It is Nora Cullinan in Grenach. Congratulations, Nora Cullinan in Grenach, correctly identifying Jockster and has won for herself a pair of tickets to go see Christy Moore live at the Marquee on Saturday, the 17th of June, with those tickets going on sale tomorrow. 
tomorrow morning via Ticketmaster.ie and they're on sale from 9am tomorrow morning. We have another pair of Christy Moore tickets to give away tomorrow and then we'll give away the final pair on uh, Friday. 0818 We'll clear the text message lines now if you have a gardening question for uh, Peter Dowdell because Peter will be joining us in a couple of minutes on the programme so if you have a question for Peter can you get those into us John Paul's taking the calls 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp a question as well to 0862 103 103 and Irish Water have been on to say that and this is uh, I'm assuming John Paul got on to Irish Water because we had some calls in from people saying that there was low pressure in some parts of Bandon Town and they were wondering what was going on with the water so Irish Water tell us that there is a new water connection works and because of it it is affecting supply to O'Mahony Avenue Doherty's Road Deer Park Castle Oaks and surrounding areas in Bandon today. The work started at nine o'clock this morning. They're continuing until five this afternoon. So it is going to affect water supplies in those uh, areas. And as always, they apologise for any inconvenience caused. Earlier this morning, we were talking about the McCroom bypass and how excited the good people of McCroom and anyone who passes through McCroom with the official opening of the bypass happening on the 9th of uh, December. We while I was doing my interview with Andreas Moynihan, a number of listeners were on to say, is it true that they're going to open up the bypass early to allow people to walk part of the route? And they normally do that with new roads. They'll allow, in particular, local people. I think it's, and, and I always feel it should be for the local people because they are the ones who really put up the inconvenience of the building of the road. So we said we'd get on and check and see was there any plans to allow people not to drive on it, but to physically walk on parts of the bypass. And it has been confirmed that, yes, it is going to happen on Saturday, the 27th of November. A walk will take place on the new McCroom bypass before it opens. And what they're going to do is, I don't know whether they're going to charge or whether there's going to be collection buckets. But what they're going to do is they're going to collect money for three charities, McCroom Senior Citizens, the Tiny Feet Fairy Garden in Tam and the West Muskery Athletic Club. Now, what we don't have at this stage is the time of the walk and when they will open up the bypass and allow people to walk walk on it. We just have the date and it's Sunday, the 27th of November. So the last Sunday of the month. When we get the times confirmed, we will bring it to you and also try to find out are they charging people to, to do the walk or is it going to be like a bucket collection? But three local charities will benefit. So well done to all involved there. And as I say, I know a lot of people like the idea of actually walking the new route before they'll actually get to drive it. 0818103103. And just on a couple of other issues in this is Evelyn in Skibbereen was talking about the, you know, the just oil stop protesters that we've seen. We've seen them well, not damage any paintings yet because most of the paintings were behind glass but we've saw them throw cans of tomato soup and cans of beans over very famous works of art and then they normally get out a glue a tube of super glue put it on their hand and they glue themselves to the wall underneath or beside the painting one of the painter one of the protesters tried to glue his ear I don't know how successful he was but he tried to glue his ear to one of the paintings but they all wear the same t-shirt and the t-shirt says 
just oil uh, stop. Evelyn was on about that particular group this morning because Evelyn's picked me up and says, Patricia, you mentioned earlier that we're having warmer temperatures at the moment. We've had quite a warm, a mild not warm, but quite a mild autumn. And, you know, as we're heading into November, tomorrow, for example, is going to be a humid and, and a mild day, which is unusual for the 10th day of uh, November. Evelyn says, while I'm not complaining about the mild weather we're experiencing, but if this is down to climate change, then maybe we shouldn't be welcoming it as much as we uh, we are. I would love to know what people make of the Just Stop Oil protesters, and particularly the ones that are going on in the UK. Now, I wasn't aware of this, but Evelyn... Uh, says that I don't know whether this happened this morning or not uh, it was this morning there was a protest on the M25 by the Just Oil Stop protesters and of course the, anyone who's ever been to London will know the M25 is one of the major routes in and out of London anyway this particular protest this morning don't know what happened but it caused an accident between two trucks and a police officer was actually injured Evelyn said that she would love to know people's views about these protesters she said absolutely I feel they have a right to protest but surely it is wrong if it caused causes accidents that police officer could have been uh, killed and the protesters in England are particularly protesting about the UK uh, government um, and they're asking the government not to licence any more fossil fuel production in the uh, UK so they took their protest out to the M25 this morning but according to Evelyn it did cause an accident. Uh, Your views on that group and and I know we've discussed it before Evelyn, Uh, we certainly touched on it before, we're about discussing it but we certainly touched on it before when they were attacking works of art because and it's not just in England there's works of art being attacked all over the world and we certainly had a number of our listeners who weren't happy about the works of art art, uh, being attacked but to do something that would lead to an accident. Your thoughts welcomed on that 08 one eight one zero three one zero three, and then a listener says, "This is this is kind of tied in with energy and energy costs, and trying to get the best bang for our buck." And we're always saying to people, when you're out of contract with your electricity supplier to make sure that you switch and you can save money by uh, switching. Uh, for example, I switched, oh, my was my contract was up, I think it was at the beginning of, of this month. So I spent an afternoon uh, during October, went on bonkers.ie and I know they're a group that we've spoken with before. The switcher.ie is another one. There's, there's a lot of those uh, groups and they make it very easy for, for switching. And the company I was with, I can say it, I'm with Electric Ireland, uh, for me to stay with them, they were offering me a 5% discount so I went on to bonkers.ie and by going on and clicking a few buttons I really didn't have to do a lot I went from a 5% discount to a 14% discount now it's less than the discount I got last year but I'm happy enough with it to get anything off my electricity bill at this stage anyway a listener says I spent 41 minutes trying to get through to Electric Ireland yesterday. When I got on first, they said the wait is about 30 minutes. It went down to one minute at one stage, but I was timing it. I was actually on 45 minutes at that stage and not 30 minutes as they had suggested. It finally started to ring. Ah, got all excited, says this Dexter. Delighted I'm about to get through. The next thing, guess what? It cut off. After a while, I got a text back from them saying, sorry, you didn't manage to get through and suggesting I I try online. What an awful service. Really, really frustrating. Ah. And I don't know if Electric Ireland are going to become the new air. Remember at one stage people trying to get through to air. We had the most outrageous stories from air. Now, they did something about it because enough people 
started raising their voices and objecting to the bad customer service that air was providing in trying to get through to somebody. And I suppose you can't even, could you even call it bad customer service? Because most people, when they get through, they get sorted out. But it's the actual getting through to the customer service person in order to work out what your problem uh, is can be very frustrating. So I don't know if Electric Ireland is going to be the new sort of poster boy of how bad it is when you are asking people to wait excessively long periods. But to have had the patience to stay on the phone for 41 minutes and then suddenly for it to start ringing that you should be to, to be connected and then for you to get cut off is really really I sense your frustration and not everybody likes to deal with online and I know we'll have some people saying this is the way forward this is the way life is now people have to suck it up and people just have to do everything online online does not work for everybody and it never will 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls we're looking for your questions for Peter Dowdle please the theirishgardener.com who's going to be joining us if you've got a question for Peter you can call John Paul or you can text or whatsapp me to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Peter Dowd of the Irish Gardener, uh, dot com uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. I'm, How are you? I'm very well. I'm sorry about the confusion there. I was trying to get through to you on one line and John Paul was trying to get through to you on another line, but we got it all uh, sorted out. Okay, uh, question straight in that's kind of relevant uh, to the weather that we've been having of late. A listener has noticed her front lawn it got particularly waterlogged. She'd never noticed it before. Is there anything she can do next year? She's assuming there's nothing you can do at the moment. But why would it suddenly start to waterlog? Well, it's, it's suddenly starting to waterlog, I would suspect, because of the difference in the climate. And, like, she hasn't seen it in previous years, but I don't think realistically we've seen rain like what we've seen in the last month ever before. I don't think we've ever seen four weeks like what we've just had. Um, I know for certain parts of the country, and I think around Cork, we got three times the average rainfall for October in October. So we haven't seen that level before. So I don't know if there's anything that she can necessarily do to counteract it. Um, like as the reason I'm hesitating is because I'm always slow to 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 recommend going in under existing lawns and putting in new drainage systems and things like that because it's very often a waste of time, effort, and money. So if it's just if it's just waterlogging now after we've had this extreme rain, I would probably wouldn't worry about it. I mean, the lawns are very resilient in the same way that they cope with um, uh, the extreme drought that we had in July and August. They cope with this as well. So I wouldn't be in a rush to do anything. Just see how it how it pans out, if you like. Um, like if it stay if if you notice it waterlogging more often after normal, what I would regard as normal rain. Then, then maybe the soil compaction is an issue underneath. But it wouldn't just suddenly happen unless there were machines or something on it recently. Now, maybe maybe if there were build builders or if they were doing an extension or anything in the house and the soil got compacted, that would, of course, lead to it. But it doesn't sound like it from the, from the call. Yeah, it so could just I, be the excessive amount of rain. I think that's exactly what it is, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, somebody wants to know, a Chris, this is from Christine. Her Christmas uh, cactus seems pot bound. It is starting to flower. Would she wait until it stops flowering to repot? I'd say there's going to be Christmas cacti and flower all over the country this year because I've had, I've had similar questions uh, online and from, from people over the last couple of weeks. So just as that, when should I repot it and things? I've had several of them. Uh, I would, yeah, I would leave it flower. 
certainly leave it flower. I, I don't know whether it's a Christmas cactus she's had for several years or it's, it's a new one on her this year. If it's new from the garden centre, uh, they're very often in pots that are that bit too small to encourage them to, to, to flower. So let it flower in the pot it's in, enjoy it. Uh, you can maybe stand it in something like a bigger ceramic pot or something just to keep it upright for now and stop it falling over. But um, I wouldn't repot it then until the flowers are finished. Yeah, I was off last week and when I came back, the two Christmas cacti in the canteen here have started, the buds have have started to open and I couldn't believe in a week the one that I have at home that is particularly dear to me because the gorgeous gentleman that gave it to me many, many years ago sadly is no longer with us and it just reminds me of him every time I look at the Christmas cactus. But I couldn't just believe in a week I've been away when I came home to this burst of and the gorgeous pink that it's that lovely cerise pink Chris, Christmas cactus. And they really are so oh. beautiful. And they're so easy, aren't they? They're very, very easy plant to grow. They're ugly then for the rest of the year, but when they flower, <laughs> they're stunning. <laughs> they're stunning. Okay, this is Pat in uh, Mayfield. Peter, is it easy to split the bulbs of an African lily? Will they come on fully next year if I split them? This is Pat in Mayfield. African I lilies. <coughs> I suspect Pat is talking about the, the um, agapanthus which is often referred to as Lily of the Nile, and, and I think African Lily as well is one of the common names, so I suspect it's the, the dark blue agapanthus, um, which will, you'll be very successful splitting them, and now is really the time, any time between now and the end of the winter, lift them out of the ground, um, and of course it's quite a root system, so they'll be quite hard to get out of the ground, but get them out of the ground and divide them so that you're, you, every division needs to have at least one growing shoot. Uh, to make sure it's going to grow next year, but they'll they'll divide and and you propagate them that way quite easily and quite successfully. Now the next part of the question: Will they flower again next year? They need the the root system of the agapanthus needs to get quite congested in order for it to flower. So that's why um, that's why it's difficult to get it out of the ground if you like, because the root system is so congested. So that's why they'll do very very well in pots because they'll get congested and, and pot bound quite quickly uh, in the open ground particularly if you've just divided a clump, once you plant it into a new part of the garden or into a new pot, uh, it may well not flower for a couple of years until that root system develops again sufficiently and congests up again sufficiently. So uh, it, the smaller the divisions, so the smaller the new plant, the longer it will be, I would say, before you'd have more flowers. So in other words, if you, you just divide an existing clump in two, they probably will flower away next year. But if you if you divide the same clump into, let's say, 10, then you'll probably be waiting a couple of years for each of those to flower. Okay, uh, Jennifer in Blarney wants to plant a holly bush or holly tree. Her plan is that she will have foliage in which to use at Christmas. Uh, what sort of holly would you suggest she plants? Any of them, uh, I would say, because uh, holly, it's a lovely looking plant anyway, in the garden, outside of using it for, as foliage for indoors for Christmas. But it's also a very important one for biodiversity, for enhancing biodiversity in your garden, because it does sustain... Uh, many insects and of course there's lots of birds like the thrush um, so from that point of view it's any and from the next point of view I would look at the kind of different foliages in terms of which one she she likes the most and which one she would think she would use the most so whether you want to go for just the straight dark green aquifolium which is our common hedgerow holly uh, or maybe you want to go for something variegated like silver queen or golden king or there's dozens of them available then uh, without getting too far into it, hollies are what's called diacetious plants, which means you have male and female plants. Most plants have male and female flowers, and, and in the same on the same plant, uh, uh, hollies don't. So you need a male and a female. So 
without getting too far into it, as I say, you can also get some holly plants which are self-fertile, which means you'll have their flower uh, and their berry from just one plant. You don't need two. If if you're if you're going the other way, you will need to find a male one and a female one. Uh, so if you look for a self-fertile one, let's say there's one called J.C. Van Toll, which is a nice one, nice leaf. The leaf isn't as prickly as the normal holly, uh, but it's still that dark green. Um, that's, a, that's a self-fertile form that might be worth looking at. But as I say, there are dozens of them. And really, look at the, if you want berries, though, you would need to be careful that you're either getting a self-fertile form or that you have a male and a female. Yeah, and then the one that's in my garden is got gorgeous red berries at the moment, and I guarantee you there won't be one there at Christmas. There never is. It's just. <laughs> but there'll be, yeah. there'll be well-fed birds yeah, in the garden. Yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's the way yeah. I look at it. Okay, back to Christmas cactus. Um, I've got a Christmas cactus, says this listener, and a piece of it is cracked off. Will that root if I put rooting powder on it? Do you know what? It will quite easily. Now, without seeing it, I'm saying it will, but when you're... When you're you know they grow in kind of little segments, if yeah. you like is the best way to describe them. Well, the joint of those segments, that's, that's the node, right? So it's like any cutting, it's the node where you, you, you want the base of the cutting to be because that's where the auxins are, which will develop into roots. So uh, when you're taking a Christmas cactus cutting, you take two segments. One would probably even do if it was big enough, but you take two segments is one, is one cutting, if you know what I mean, uh, into a small bit of rooting powder, into a bit of compost, not too wet, but, but a bit damp, and keep it indoors. And yeah, they, they, they do actually root quite easily. Colette in Drumahan, could you ask Peter, please, can you grow rhubarb in a big 60 litre plastic tub? 60 litre is quite big. So I would say, yeah, I mean, the answer to the question is yes, you can. Um, uh, it, it won't be, a, I wouldn't suggest it for very long term because uh, it will run out of nutrients in a finite space like that. Even though it's quite a big pot, it will still run out of nutrients after a few years. So you'll, you'll be totally artificially feeding it with good organic seaweed feeds and things like that. Um, the answer to your question, yes, you can grow it in a tub, but I would say long term it is probably not ideal. Listener says, could you ask Peter, please, how can I take a cutting or get the fruit to grow from an arbutus tree? The arbutus, you take a cutting, you take um, what's called a semi-ripe cutting, or what we all know <laughs> as a slip, if you like. So it's just a semi-ripe nodal cutting during the summer where you're taking this year's growth, too late now for this year. Um, you, you could take a, a cutting kind of July or August time, about four inches in length. Again, the base of the cutting is at a node. Uh, just leave two leaves on the top of the cutting into a bit of rooting powder, into compost, indoors, I would say then as well. And that should grow. Now, you could, I, I, I must say about the next bit, I've never done it the in, the in the way I'm about to describe. I have done it from the softwood cuttings, but you can also grow arbutus, to the best of my knowledge, by hardwood cuttings. Now, hardwood cuttings, Trish, are a bit different, and we normally use them for growing apple trees and things like that uh, on deciduous plants. But it will work for some evergreens, such as the arbutus to the best of my knowledge, but as I say, I haven't tried it. So a hardwood cutting is different. You take about 10 inches of growth, 10 or 12 inches of this year's growth, but you do it at this time of the year, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, now what you do is you've you about 10 or 12 inches. Again, the base of the cutting is at a node, which is quite simply where the leaf meets the stem. Um, but you, you plunge the hardwood cutting outside into the soil. So maybe dig, it, dig a, a kind of trench or, or an area about six or eight inches deep, fill it with compost and grit because drainage is very important here um, and put your cutting with just the tip of it showing so maybe just about two inches above the ground and then eight or nine inches below the ground 
which is the opposite to how you normally would, but but do that. Now, again, they won't root quickly like the softwood one would during the summer. It could take up to a year. So you leave them in that trench uh, until this time next year, by which case you should have strong enough plants. That, that I've grown hardwood cutting very successfully of deciduous trees like apples and things like that. As I say, I've never tried it on an, on an arbutus, but to the best of my knowledge, arbutus you can grow from hardwoods as well. Okay, that's where we leave it uh, for this week. Thank you for that, uh, Peter. And uh, it's nice mild weather forecast for the next uh, couple of days. It's it's really bring, crazy. Bring it on. Yeah, a it's... bit of dry and mild weather. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's what we need. Thanks for that. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Thanks a million. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener at dot com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Guess it's true, I'm not good at a one night stand. But I still need love because I'm just a man. These nights never seem to go to plan I don't want you to leave, will you hold my hand? Oh, won't you stay with me? Cause you're all I need This ain't love, it's clear to see But darling, stay No, it's not a good look in some self-control Deep down I know this never works But you can lay with me so it doesn't hurt Oh, won't you stay with me? Cause you're all I need Sam Smith 
on C103 and stay with me and somebody just showing how nature is going mad and is it all down to climate change? Somebody said I planted crocuses and daffodil bulbs about two months ago and they're up already. Uh, the world's gone mad. OK, that's where we leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Mess. Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. C103. Your spud for choice with Just Eat. Delivering all of your favourites from Apache, Wow Burger and Supermax straight to your door. Dundeal has the largest range of electric and plug-in hybrid vehicles in Ireland from Ireland's trusted premium car dealerships. That's why you will find Kiri's Motor Group on Dundeal. Stop by Kiri's Hyundai showrooms on Dundeal today and connect with them for great 231 deals on electric vehicles. Dundeal, for 231 electric vehicle deals to feel great about from all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Life feels better when you know your loved ones are protected. Well, now you can have peace of mind knowing your family's future will be looked after for as little as €10.10 10 per month with Leia Life Insurance. Simply answer a few online questions, no medical required, and you'll get an instant decision. Join us online and you'll get a 10% discount. Visit leialife.ie now. Insurance provided by IPTQ Life SA. Leia Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Life and Leia Healthcare, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. From the morning routines to cosy family moments, Grant has been bringing comfort to homes for over 45 years. With our biofuel-compatible condensing boilers, heat pumps and underfloor heating, you can trust Grant to heat your home now and into the future. Think heating, think Grant. Visit grant.eu. Make Christmas for everyone this year at Dunn Stores. Make delicious coffee quick with the Tassimo Happy Coffee Machine from Bosch. Now just $39.95. That's better than half price. And pick up a perfect present with selected toiletry gift sets like Dove and Nivea for Men, now half price. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery vouchers, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used in next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Let us help to make your house a home. At Noel C. Duggan Mill Street, we have two stories of quality furniture. Get a new sofa for the sitting room, find furniture for the bedroom, and choose from a great range of interior furnishings. At Noel C. Duggan, the family-friendly store, we also cater for DIY, electrical, and painting needs with Colour Trend, Dulux, and Fleetwood paints in stock. Everything you need to make your house a home. Visit Noel C. Duggan Mill Street. Call 029-700-39. C103. The new autumn ranges at Harry Curry will leave you bursting with ideas for your home. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or online at harrycurry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. On FM, online, online, and on your phone. This is C103 News. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.